Chapter Two of the Laughing Cavalier, Ancestor of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Laughing Cavalier, Ancestor of the Scarlet Pimpernel, by Baroness Orczy. Chapter Two, The Fracas by the Postern Gate thus am i proved right in saying that but for the conglomeration of minor circumstances within the past half-hour the great events which subsequently linked the fate of a penniless foreign adventurer with that of a highly honourable and highly esteemed family of harlem never would or could have occurred for had the three philosophers adhered to their usual custom of retiring to the warmth and comfort of the lame cow situate in the klein Hautstrat, as soon as the streets no longer presented an agreeable lolling-place they would never have known of the tumult that went on at this hour under the very shadow of the cathedral but seeing it all going on before them what could they do but join in the fun the details of the picture which had the low postern gate for its central interest were gradually becoming more defined now the figure of a woman showed clearly under the flickering light of the resin torches a woman with rough dark hair that hung loosely round her face and bare arms and legs of which the flesh blue with cold gleamed weirdly against the dark oak panelling of the gate she was stooping forward with arms outstretched and feet that vainly tried to keep a foothold of the ground which snow and frost had rendered slippery the hands themselves were not visible for one of them was lost in the shadows behind her and the other disappeared in the grip of six or eight rough hands through the mists and in the darkness it was impossible to see whether the woman was young or old handsome or ill-favoured but her attitude was unmistakable the men in the forefront of the crowd were trying to drag her away from the shelter of the gate to which she clung with desperate obstinacy her repeated cries of for the love of christ only provoked loud and bibulous laughter obviously she was losing her hold of the ground and was gradually being dragged out into the open for the love of christ let me go kind sirs come out quietly then retorted one of the men in front let's have a look at you we only want to see the color of your eyes said another with mock gallantry are you spanish spies or are you not that's all we want to know added a third how many black-eyed wenches are there among ye papists we know you are papists spanish spies roared the crowd in unison shall we bait the papists too o diogenes came in dulcet tones from out the shadow of the stuccoed wall bah men and old women and only twenty of these said his companions with a laugh and a shrug of his broad shoulders whilst there are at least an hundred of the others more amusing certainly growled socrates under the brim of his hat for the love of christ wailed the woman piteously as her bare feet buried in the snow finally did slide from the protecting threshold and she appeared in the full light of the resin torches with black unkempt hair ragged shift and kirtle and a wild terror-stricken look in her black eyes black eyes i guessed as much shouted one of the men excitedly spaniards i tell you friends spanish spies all of them out you come wench out you come out you come yelled the crowd papists spanish spies the woman gave a scream of wild terror as half a dozen stones 
hurled from the rear of the crowd over the heads of the ringleaders came crashing against the wall and the gate all around her one of these stones was caught in mid-air i thank thee friend cried a loud mocking voice that rang clearly above the din my nose was itching and thou didst strive to tickle it most effectually tell me does thine itch too here's a good cloth wherewith to wipe it and the stone was hurled back into the thick of the crowd by a sure and vigorous hand even whilst a prolonged and merry laugh echoed above the groans and curses of the throng for an instant after that the shouts and curses were still the crowd as is usual in such cases pausing to see whence this unexpected diversion had come but all that could be seen for the moment was a dark compact mass of plumed hats and mantles standing against the wall and a triple glint as of steel peeping from out the shadows by saint bavon the patron saint of this goodly city but here's a feast for philosophers said that same laughter-loving voice four worthy burghers grappling with a maid let go her arm i say or four pairs of hands will presently litter the corner of this street and forty fingers be scattered among the refuge pythagoras wilt take me at two guilders to three that i can cut off two of these ugly red hands with one stroke of bucephalus whilst socrates and thou thyself wilt only account for one apiece while the merry voice went rippling on in pleasant mocking tones the crowd had had ample time to recover itself and to shake off its surprise the four stalwarts on in front swore a very comprehensive if heterogeneous oath one of them did certainly let go the wench's arms somewhat hastily but seeing that his companions had recovered courage and the use of their tongue he swore once again and more loudly this time by that same saint bavon he shouted who is this smirlap whose interference i for one deeply resent come out girl and show thyself at once we'll deal with thy protector later after which there were some lusty shouts of applause at this determined attitude shouts that were interrupted by a dulcet high-pitched voice saying quietly i take thee friend diogenes two guilders to three do thou strike at the pair of hands nearest to thee while i count three from the torches up above there came a sharp glint of light as it struck three still blades that swung out in the open one two four pairs of hands which had been dragging on the woman's arm with such determined force disappeared precipitately into the darkness and thus suddenly released the woman nearly fell backwards against the gate pity said the dulcet voice gently that bet will never be decided now an angry murmur of protest rose from the crowd the four men who had been the leaders of the gang were pushed forward from the rear amidst shouts of derision and brandishing fists cowards 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 gentiel art not ashamed piet go for them there are only three cowards to let yourselves be bullied the crowd pushed from behind the street became narrow it could only express its desire for a fight by murmurs and by shouts it had no elbow-room for it and could only urge those in the forefront to pick a quarrel with the interfering strangers the blessing of god upon thee stranger and of the holy virgin came in still quivering accents from out the darkness of the passage let the holy virgin help thee to hold thy tongue retorted he who had named diogenes 
and do thou let my friend socrates close this confounded door jan tiel shouted someone in the crowd dost see what they are doing the gate is being closed and bolted said a flute-like voice stand aside strangers yelled the crowd we are not in your way came in calm response the three muffled figures side by side in close if somewhat unnumerical battle array had taken their stand in front of the postern gate the heavy bolts of which were heard falling into their sockets behind them with a loud clang a quivering voice came at the last from behind the iron judas in the door god will reward ye strangers we go pray for you to the holy virgin nay rejoined diogenes lightly twere wiser to pray for Gentile or for piet or their mates some of them will have need of prayers in about five minutes from now shame cowards plepshirt at them jan piet willem shouted the crowd lustily once more stones were freely hurled followed by a regular fusillade of snowballs one of these struck the crown of a plumed hat and knocked it off the wearer's head a face merry a trifle fleshy perhaps but with fine straight brow eyes that twinkled and mocked and a pair of full joyous lips adorned by a fair upturned moustache met the gaze of an hundred glowering eyes and towered half a head above the tallest man there as his hat fell to the ground the man made a formal bow to the yelling and hooting crowd since one of you has been so kind as to lift my hat for me allow me formally to present myself and my friends here i am known to my compeers and to mine enemies as diogenes he said gravely a philosopher of whom mayhap ye have never heard on my left stands pythagoras on my right socrates we are all at your service including even my best friend who is slender and is made of steel and hath name bucephalus he tells me that within the next few minutes he means to become intimately acquainted with dutch guts unless ye disperse and go peaceably back to church and pray god to forgive ye this act of cowardice on new year's eve the answer was another volley of stones one of which hit socrates on the side of the head with the next stone that is hurled continued diogenes calmly i will smash jan teel's nose and if more than one come within reach of my hand then willem's nose shall go as well the warning was disregarded a shower of stones came crashing against the wall just above the postern gate how badly these dutchmen throw growled socrates in his gruff voice this present from thy friends in the rear jan teel rejoined diogenes as he seized that worthy by the collar and brandished a stone which he had caught in its flight tis they obviously who do not like the slope of thy nose else they had not sent me the wherewithal to flatten it for thee i'll do that good diogenes said pythagoras gently as he took both the stone and the struggling jan teel from his friend's grasp and socrates will see to willem at the same time no trouble i give thee my word i like to do these kind of jobs for my friends an awful and prolonged howl from jan teel and from willem testified that the jobs had been well done papists spaniards spies roared the crowd now goaded to fury bucephalus i do humbly beg thy pardon said diogenes as he rested the point of his sword for one moment on the frozen ground then raised it and touched it with his forehead and with his lips i apologize to thee for using thee against such rabble more stones please 
came in a shrill falsetto from pythagoras here's piet whose nose is itching fit to make him swear he was a great adept at catching missiles in mid-air these now flew thick and fast stones short staves heavy leather pouches as well as hard missiles made of frozen snow but the throwers were hampered by one another they had no elbow-room in this narrow street the missiles for the most part fell wide of the mark still the numbers might tell in the end socrates face was streaming with blood a clump of mud and snow had extinguished one of the torches and a moment ago a stone had caught diogenes on the left shoulder the three men stood close together sword in hand to the excited gaze of the crowd they scarcely seemed to be using their swords or to heed those of their aggressors who came threateningly nigh they stood quite quietly up against the wall hardly making a movement their sword hand and wrist never appeared to stir but many who had been in the forefront had retired howling and the snow all around was deeply stained with red Gentile and willem had broken noses and piet had lost one ear the three men were hatless and the faces of two of them were smeared with blood the third taller and broader than the others stood between them and with those that pressed him closely he bandied mocking words spaniards papists yelled the crowd if i hear those words again he retorted pleasantly i'll run three of you through on bucephalus as on a spit and leave you thus ready for roasting in hell we are no spaniards my father was english and my friend pythagoras here was born in a donkey shed while socrates first saw the light of day in a travelling menagerie so we are none of us spaniards and you can all disperse papists and if i hear that again i'll send the lot of you to hell art thou samson then to think thyself so strong shouted a shrill voice close to him give me thy jawbone and i'll prove thee that i am he retorted gaily spies they cried dondersteen he shouted in his turn swearing lustily i am tired of this rabble disperse disperse i tell ye bucephalus my friend wilt have a taste of dutch guts another ear a nose or two what ye will not go spaniards spies papists the crowd was gathering itself into a kind of fury that greatly resembled courage those that were behind pushed and those that were in front could no longer retreat blood had begun to flow more freely and the groans of the wounded had roused the bellicose instincts of those whose skin was still whole one or two of the more venturesome had made close and gruesome acquaintance with the silent but swift bucephalus whilst from the market-place to the rear the numbers of the crowd thus packed in this narrow street corner swelled dangerously the newcomers did not know what had happened before their arrival they could not see over the heads of the crowd what was going on at this moment so they pushed from behind and the three combatants with their backs against the wall had much difficulty in keeping a sufficiently wide circle around them to allow their swords free play already socrates dizzy from the blood that was streaming down his sharp hooked nose had failed to keep three of his foremost assailants at bay he had been forced to yield one step and then another and the elbow of his sword-arm was now right up against the wall pythagoras too was equally closely pressed and diogenes had just sent an over-bold lout sprawling on the ground the noise was deafening every one was shouting many were screaming or groaning the town guard realizing at last that a tumult of more than usual consequence was going on in some portion of the city 
had decided to go and interfere their slow and weighty steps and the clang of their halberds could be heard from over the group market during the rare moments when shouts and clamor subsided for a few seconds only to be upraised again with redoubled power then suddenly cries of help were raised from the further end of dam Strait, there where it debouches on the bank of the sparn it was a woman's voice that raised the cry but men answered it with calls for the guard the tumult in front of the postern gate now reached its climax for the pressure from behind had become terrible and men and women were being knocked down and trampled on it seemed as if the narrow street could not hold another human soul and yet apparently more and more were trying to squeeze into the restricted space the trampled frozen snow had become as slippery as a sheet of glass and if the guard with their wonted ponderous clumsiness charged into the crowd with halberds now then heaven help the weak who could not elbow a way out for themselves they would be sure to be trampled under foot every one knew that on such occasions many a corpse littered the roads when finally the crowd disappeared those of sober sense realized all this but they were but small units in the multitude heated with its own rage and intoxicated with the hope of victory the three strangers who bareheaded still held their ground with their backs to the wall were obviously getting exhausted but a little more determination five minutes respite before the arrival of the guard a few more stones skilfully heard and the papists spaniards or spies whatever they were would have paid dearly for their impudent interference papists have ye had enough yelled the crowd in chorus as a stone well thrown hit the sword-arm of the tallest of the three men he whose mocking voice had never ceased its incessant chatter not nearly enough he replied loudly as he quietly transferred faithful bucephalus from his right hand to his left we are just beginning to enjoy ourselves came in dulcet tones from the small man beside him at them at them papas spies once more a volley of stones dondersteen but methinks we might vary the entertainment cried diogenes lustily quicker than a flash of lightning he turned and once more grasping bucephalus in the partially disabled hand he tore with the other the resin torch out of its iron socket and shouting to his two companions to hold their ground he with the guttering lighted torch charged straight into the crowd a wild cry of terror was raised which echoed and re-echoed from one end of the street to the other reverberated against the cathedral walls and caused all peaceable citizens who had found refuge in their homes to thank the lord that they were safely within diogenes with fair hair fluttering over his brow his twinkling eyes aglow with excitement held the torch well in front of him the sparks flew in all directions the lustiest aggressors fled to right and left shrieking with horror fire that most invincible weapon had accomplished what the finest steel never could have done it sobered and terrified the crowd scattered it like a flock of sheep sent it running hither and thither rendering it helpless by fear in the space of three minutes the circle round the three combatants was several metres wide five minutes later the corner of the street was clear except for the wounded who lay groaning on the ground and one or two hideous rags of flesh that lay scattered among heaps of stones torn wallets staves and broken sticks from the precincts of the group market the town guard were heard using rough language violent oaths and pikes and halberds against the stragglers that were only too eager now to go peaceably back to their homes 
the fear of burnt doublets or kirtles had effectively sobered these ever-flowing tempers there had been enough papas baiting to please the most inveterate seeker after excitement this night a few youths who mayhap earlier in the evening had indulged too fiercely in the taverns of the group market were for resuming the fun after the panic had subsided a score of them or so talked it over under the shadow of the cathedral but a detachment of town guards spied their manoeuvres and turned them all back into the market-place the bell of the cathedral slowly struck the last hour of this memorable year and through the open portals of the sacred edifice the cathedral choir was heard intoning the first psalm like frightened hens that have been scared and now venture out again the worthy burghers of harlem sallied out from the by-streets into the group market on their way to watch night service mynheer the burgomaster and mynheer the town advocate and the mevrus their wives and the town councillors and the member of the shooting guilds and the governors and governesses of the almshouses with ponderous bibles and prayer-books under their arms and cloaks of fur closely wrapped round their shoulders they once more filled the group market with the atmosphere of their own solemnity their serving men carried the torches in front of them waiting women helped them mevrus in their unwieldy farthingales to walk on the slippery ground with becoming sobriety the cathedral bell sent forth a merry peal to greet the incoming year End of chapter two recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.